Before we dive on into football, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Southern Cigar Co. Southern Cigar Co. is a premium cigar subscription service founded with the goal of connecting cigar lovers around the world with nothing but the best smokes. Heading into a cigar shop and choosing from a vast selection could be a daunting task. Southern Cigar Co. has developed a service that takes away the worry and the hassle while providing you with premium cigars every single month. For under $40 per month and free shipping within the United States, Southern Cigar Co. will ship four of their finest cigars right to your door, with the first box of every subscription including a triple torch lighter, a double guillotine cutter, a Boveda humidity pack, and an informational card displaying everything you need to know about your newest cigars. There's no better pairing to Sunday football and your favorite bottle of beer or glass of scotch than one of Southern Cigar Co.'s top-of-the-line smokes. With the holiday season right around the corner, the world's best cigar subscription would make the perfect gift for the cigar lover in your life. Head to southerncigarco.com and enter code PUTB for 10% off your first order. Again, that's southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. And now, back to the football. Bonjour, hello, and happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Pick Up the Blitz podcast, the show where a guy and his former high school history teacher talk a lot about football and very little about history. I'm Justin Heyer, here with Nick Bellotto. We're live on the Locker Room app, and today we are discussing everything Championship Sunday for this week's uh, All-NFL podcast. So we'll be previewing the Chiefs-Bills game, we'll be previewing the Bucks-Packers game, uh, and of course we'll also go through all the fun headlines going on in this week's NFL. We've got more coaching carousel news, of course, it being mid to late January, that's, uh, that's to be expected, so we'll be talking about that. The Eagles just hired their uh, their head coach and leaving the Houston Texans as the only team left without one, which is kind of ironic since they were the first one to fire their head coach. So we'll be diving all into that. We have some news about recent first-round pick quarterbacks that we'll be diving into, and then maybe a fun couple of questions as well. So uh, without further ado, Nick, what do you want to jump into first? As always, I'll, uh, I'll defer to you. Well, uh, I think I think we should jump right into the games because I think we got two uh, pretty incredible matchups coming up this week um, in, these, in these championship games. So do we want to start with AFC or NFC first? How do we want to approach this? Let's start. Let's let's go AFC first because we got we got some this this Chiefs Bills game. There's a lot of storylines leading up to it. Most importantly of which, of course, is Will Mahomes' play. So I think I think we got a lot to talk about here. Okay, so we'll we'll do let's do AFC. All right. Yeah. Um. So this is you know a couple weeks ago I said that this was going to be. I think we all kind of predicted this is going to be the end. Uh, the AFC Championship game, right? Um, I think most people that I spoke to, I think you and I spoke about this as well. Uh, the the writing was on the wall that this is going to be a Chiefs Bills matchup, um, and I think that you know it's it's we've already seen this matchup in the regular season. I think one of the questions that comes from it, if we take the the Mahomes concussion protocol situation out of the equation, right? Uh, I think the question then becomes: Can uh, can Kansas City duplicate what they did on the ground against Buffalo in I think it was what week six? Um, which, you know, allowed them to come away with a victory in that game. Um, can they do that? Has Buffalo's defense gotten better against the run to prevent prevent it? Uh, and most importantly, is there anybody on this Chiefs defense who can really slow down Stefan Diggs, 
right? I think that this is going to be uh, if Mahomes plays, right? Like I'm going to caveat everything with if Mahomes yeah. plays. Um, if he plays, which it looks as though he's going to, he took the majority of the snaps, I guess, today. Uh, he's still in protocol, but, you know, if all goes according to plan, tomorrow he should be cleared to go, and then he will can play on Sunday. Um, if he plays, I think it's going to be uh, uh, extremely high-scoring game um, because I don't really – I can't really see anybody on on uh, Kansas City's defense slowing down Stephon Diggs. And on the flip side, I think if Pat Mahomes comes back a little bit upset that he didn't get to play last week uh, the whole game, he might be ready and ready to go too. I think this could be a massive shootout. I think tons of points can go on the board in this game. Yeah, I, I think we can only uh, – it's only fun to talk about this game if we're predicting it as if Mahomes plays. And honestly, it really sounds like he's going to. Per reports, he's gotten almost all of the first-team reps in practice this week. And you don't do that if you think your backup quarterback is going to have to start, right? It would be more of a 50-50 split. So uh, I'm guessing Mahomes plays. That, that point you made about the running game I think is – crucial to potentially deciding this game the the Bills defensive strength is in their secondary so not that their secondary is going to be able to slow Mahomes because practically no one can but you could potentially take advantage of the Bills on the ground it's been done multiple times this season the only difference heading into this game is rookie phenom Clyde Edwards Hilaire who had 161 yards on the ground 6.2 yards per carry against the Bills in uh, in October He's questionable for this game, right? He hasn't played since like week 16, I believe, when he got hurt. Uh, he has ankle and hip injuries, and uh, he did practice twice already this week. So he's on track to play, but probably not at full strength. So that'll be a very, very interesting undertone for Chiefs fans to look out for. Because as fun as, uh, as it is to usually see the Chiefs just insert anyone and have production on the ground game, they haven't always done that this year. Le'Veon Bell has struggled. Daryl Williams has been fine in spurts. Darwin Thompson only played significant snaps in one game this year. So uh, you kind of need your rookie back here. It'll be interesting to see if he can go. Uh, a couple other injury notes just to, to watch out for here, or at least on one of note on the Bills' offense is Gabe Davis. John Brown filled in more than fine when he came back for injury uh, and, and, and took over what Gabe Davis was doing. But uh, if they have all four of those wideouts healthy, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasy, uh, Gabe Davis, and, and John Brown, you really just can't defend them all. So the Bills will be looking uh, to see if, if, if he can go as well. I also think this is going to be a shootout. Josh Allen struggled in their first meeting. I'm going to make a bold prediction right off the bat. Josh Allen predict, uh, completed barely 50% of his passes last time for 122 yards. I'm going to say he, at the very least, triples that yardage total. Goes goes over 366 in yards wow. because I am willing a shootout into existence here. Well, I, I don't think you have to will it into existence. I think it's going to happen. I think I think the only way that it doesn't happen is if uh, Kansas City can control the ground game, right? Because it, it's one of those things that Dolphins fans have said for years when it comes to how to beat Tom Brady. And one of the best ways to beat him is keep him off the field, right? If you can control the clock and keep Josh Allen off the field, they're going to win this game and it's not going to be a shootout. Right. But I don't see that happening just because that's not necessarily the nature of this Kansas City offense. They kind of just score all the time at will with the blink of an eye. Right. No matter how many times they're trying to slow down, they still score before you even know what happened. Um, I think that's the only scenario in which this doesn't become a shootout. Uh, So I think it's I I don't think you have to will anything into existence, Justin. I think I think you're 100 percent right. I think most of the NFL world would agree with you that it's going to be a high scoring game. 
the only, you're right. The only way it happens is if they copy what they did in October. But those two teams were six games into the season at and, that point. They were very different teams. And, and Clyde is with it. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Ceh uh, was totally healthy. I think that's the biggest point, right? I, there is. I just don't see anyone else on this Kansas City offense or running back stable at least meriting enough touches to slow the game down. Sure, I agree with you. And, and to, to your point about uh, this being a little bit different in terms of the, uh, uh, I forgot, lost my. It's not October spot. anymore. <laughs> that that yeah that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Buffalo has is firing on all cylinders now, right? When they may have been stumbling a little bit in the beginning, they are exactly. Uh, they are they are not missing a beat now. Although their couple playoff victories were not in the most dominant uh, of formats for them. I still think that they're still, you know, they're still firing on the majority of all cylinders. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case for Kansas City, because if, you're, if your starting quarterback does go down like that, you still have to, you know, work him back into the system. I mean, luckily for them, Patrick Mahomes doesn't need a whole lot of time to get re-chelled into his, uh, into his offense. Um, but, you know, that, that can be said for a lot of other teams when their starter goes out to try and, bring him back in, you might have a, a, a hiccup or two early on. And if Kansas City does have a hiccup or two early on, um, that could present some problems if Buffalo can score at will uh, just as easy as Kansas City can. Yeah, and I, I don't think your point uh, there about about Kansas City not firing on all cylinders, I, I, th- I think it's fair. I mean, not only is Mahomes coming off a concussion, but he hurt his foot, right, last game. Like I said, CEH is, hasn't played in, in, in over a month. Sammy Watkins hasn't played in a while. Like, this team is not at full strength, and they're not clicking on all cylinders. The only, you know, catch that you have to say there is, well, they can they can turn it on whenever they want to. We've seen that. Buffalo, you're right. They haven't won in super convincing fashion over the past couple weeks. It's not like they put up 40 points against Baltimore, right? But that's one of the things I was actually most impressed about, is they won in different ways, right? They They were able to play ball control, play defense against a team like Baltimore. They were able to win a very close game against Indianapolis, whereas they were blowing uh, other teams out of the water in the regular season. So this team could win in multiple ways. I think that makes me even more scared of Buffalo than it does less. So here's the million-dollar question. Who are you taking? I'm still taking Kansas City. I'm 100% taking Kansas City. I say this every week, Justin. I say it every week, Justin. Every time I go against Patrick Mahomes, I fail, and I'm not doing it. I know, Nick. Is it not strange to you that and and like amazingly impressive by by, uh, you know from Patrick Mahomes that we are saying this of a 25 year old quarter? Like usually it's Brady or Rodgers or Prime Breeze, right? Guys who are 35, 36, and still have shown that when you you know, when you bet against them, you lose. But Mahomes is 25, and we're already yeah. saying about his career, I just won't bet against him. I, even against a team that seems like they're fit to beat him, I just can't. And he's only 25. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in two, three, four, five years from now when he has, like, you know, five Super Bowl trophies already? Yeah, I mean, it, it is – It's this is more of – like, that point is a very under-discussed point and more of a reason why – barring any significant injuries occurring to Mahomes, he's on the trajectory to go down as the greatest ever play of the game, right? Because at 25, we pick him over literally anybody else. And it's not one of those situations where 
he, you know, he has a good defense or he has a good team around him and you're picking the team, you're picking Mahomes in yeah. every matchup generally going forward, right? He, yes, he does have a great offensive unit around him. Um, but I, I still think that without a couple of those guys, Mahomes would still be the guy you're picking, right? Um, so it, it is super weird, but it's just a testament to how just incredible he is and how we should enjoy it while it lasts. Hopefully it lasts for a long time, uh, his career, but you know, things happen, right? You saw it happen with the concussion and the foot injury. Sure. Things happen. Enjoy it while you can enjoy this level of dominance while you can. So give me a score and maybe one or two fun stats. 38, 35, 38, 35. Oh, you're ready. City. I told you I was very ready about it being a, uh, a shootout game. Uh, I think both quarterbacks are going to go well over th- – maybe not well. Both quarterbacks are going to go over 350 yards. Um, couple, I would say easily a couple scores for each. Uh, and But Kansas City wins in a, in a nail-biter. I'm going to say 41-38. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go all the way into purpose. the 40s here. I just got one up you. I just got one up you. I'm going to say at least one quarterback goes for over 500 yards. Over 500 yards. And I'm going to say that also we get at least four pass catchers go for over 100 yards in this game. I just, I'm shootout, fireworks, falls to the wall. It's, it's, this is going to be a wild, wild game. I, I get I it. Maybe it. it's just a bit of willing into existence, but we are set up for it here with these two teams. Watch watch, watch us get like a 17 to 10. Somehow That's going to be, be so disappointing. Dominance. Be so sad. <laughs> that would be so would disappointing. Be so sad. Oh wait, wait. Final, final add-on question then to this game: Is there? Do you see a path to victory if Chad Henney is the starting quarterback? Ooh. Um. So the only thing that he's got going in his favor is, uh, is he's still got the same weapons that Mahomes has. Uh, if if Chad Henney is playing. And, right, so it's not an if, an and. If Chad Henney plays and the running game controls the clock, I still think they could potentially win. Uh, they could potentially win, but their chances significant. Uh, if So I'm picking the Chiefs in that shootout with the assumption that Mahomes is playing. I think I'd yeah. pick Buffalo if Henney was playing. Yeah, because I, I, right, I'm, we're, we're predicting 35 and, and 38 points respectively for Buffalo. That doesn't change if right if Chad Henney's playing. If anything, it becomes easier because you have the ball more, more you know likely. Um, so and I, I just I don't see Henney putting up that many points. Obviously, Kansas City's game plan would change, so maybe they try to go more ball control. But I saw on on ESPN they showed you know they have that stats guy who who, who goes up there and and you know does the things with the numbers that I would never understand. He said there's a 60-plus percent, 62% chance uh, for the Chiefs to win if Mahomes plays. And he said 34% if Henny plays. I think that's bonkers. I think it's 5% or less. I'd be comfortable oh. giving it to the Bills. Uh, I, so, to me, I, I, even with what you said, I don't see Josh Allen losing to Chad Henny. Not this year. I think not, not this year, Justin. Never. I don't think that's <laughs> happening. Right. Trust me. I, we've watched a lot of Chad Henney over the course of his career. He ain't he. I really think it's unlikely there will have to be Josh Allen will have to have the worst game of his career to lose to Chad Henney. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's that's perfectly put. Let's uh, let's put a pin in that Packers Bucks. This is the legendary quarterback matchup for the ages. What everyone was kind of hoping last week, Breeze and, and Brady would be, except we have. 
what seems like prime Aaron Rodgers right now uh, versus whole 18 Breeze. So this should be a hell of a fun game to watch and very different than the Bills-Chiefs game in that both of these teams are coming in firing on all 100 cylinders, right? These are two teams that are just playing their best football right now in January. We're going to have it in the snow, in Lambeau. This should be this should be the kind of matchup that we get in NFL Films episode about, right? That's that's this kind of matchup. What, oh, what are yeah. your thoughts going into this one? Yeah, no, I think I think the storyline of just Rodgers versus Brady is just absolutely incredible, right? Like you said, two two quarterbacks with their own histories. We know all about them. Two uh, sure-fired Hall of Famers. Uh, two consistent competitors for the greatest of all time title until Patrick Mahomes retires. Um, you know, it, this is this is what we want, right? Everybody always wants the massive quarterback matchups, and you're kind of getting it a little bit on the other side, but it doesn't come close to what you're getting in the NFC. Um, I think for me it comes down to uh, I think the the X factor is going to be Devontae Adams, right, who has shown that even without, um, you know, completely consistent secondary weapons uh, uh, or threats along the receiving line, uh, continues to put up gaudy, absurd numbers in, in ridiculous situations. So I think that Devontae Adams is going to have a huge game, right? Because there's nobody on this Bucks defense that is as talented at corner as Jalen Ramsey is. And he made Jalen Ramsey look like Byron Jones a little bit. So, so Devontae Adams is going to have a huge game. And I think that's going to carry them, right? I think um, if they can get some pressure from some consistent pressure on Tom Brady, uh, guys like Zadarius Smith, if he can, if he can consistently get to the quarterback, we all know the best way to beat Brady is to rattle him a little bit. Um, so, so can can the Packers uh, consistently put that pressure on Brady to make his day complicated from the get go? And can they do anything to slow down Devontae Adams? Those are my big question marks uh, when it comes to when it comes to the Bucks. When it comes to the Packers, you know, uh, if if it's kind of it's kind of the, like their weapons on the offensive side of the ball for the Buccaneers are out, as just as outstanding as anybody in the games. Uh, I think it really comes down to the tight ends, right? What can the Packers do to limit the damage that Cam Brayton and Rob Gronkowski can do? And if they can get the play action game going, the Bucks, that is, if they can get that play action game going. I think I think Brady can have himself a pretty easy and comfortable day. So if they can get the running game going and rely on those tight ends, because everyone knows they're going to throw it to Godwin and Evans, if they can rely on those tight ends, I think they could. I think they, you know, there's a path to victory there. Let's say that. I'm not going to pick them. I'll spoil that before we can get there. I love that you've said that because everyone pays attention to uh, Godwin Evans and Antonio Brown, who, by the way, is a game time decision. Oh, right. Him. This game with uh, with a knee injury. But uh, you're right. Brady has relied on Cameron Brate and Rob Gronkowski and his running backs with a lot of short dump-off passes that get them a lot of first downs, and they don't get the same amount of attention. So I love that you brought that up. The the uh, interesting undertone to this game that I think fewer people are talking about because of that legendary storyline quarterback matchup is the fact that these two teams played in the regular season and Green Bay got shellacked, smacked, yes, they did. destroyed, 38-10. to 10. A lot of that, a lot of it was because the game got away from them really, really early, right? The Bucks put up 28 points in the second quarter of that matchup. Uh, and, and there were just so many fluky errors there that I don't see happening again. So I see this game being quite close. You hit the nail on the head with the X factors you gave. Uh, so I, I won't I won't be redundant and go over those again. But what I will say is that I do think 
that we might have, and I really, I really wish I got this stat prepared before we start, but um, the highest scoring championship weekend uh, ever, ever in the NFL, because I think both of these two games have shootout material. I really do. This Packers-Bucks game, I don't think will be quite as shootout-esque as the Chiefs-Bills game, because you have some better defenses, right? The Bucks defense is pretty stingy. You have uh, defenses that can force turnovers too. So I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not so sure we get quite the same level of shootout fireworks show that we we do in in Buffalo and Kansas City, but I really think this game is going to be a lot of points on the board too. For the Packers, the tricky task will, will be: can you run the ball at all against what is a very stingy Tampa Bay front that, at this point, as of the recording of this episode, may or may not be getting Vita Vea back, who is the run stuffer right now in the NFL when he's healthy, which would make it really, really tough for Green Bay, which has potentially a a, a top three running back stable here in Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and and A.J. Dillon. Not one of those players went for 35 uh, 35 or more yards in their matchup in October. So whether or not the Packers can get the running game going, which is obviously the less heralded part of their offense when you have Aaron Rodgers and and Devontae Adams, I think that will be key in keeping this game close and, and interesting. Sure, I agree. Um, and the Packers, though, of all the teams that are in these cha- these championships games, right? The Packers are, I think, the team that is the most like has the most momentum going forward, right? If you look back yes. at any of those other games, right, uh, and any of the victories that came out of there, the Packers are, I think, I don't want to say leaps and bounds, but significantly more uh, momentous than the other teams that are on the They season. didn't I face think, much trouble getting here. No, not even – and that was, and remember, that was a Rams defense that everybody was saying was the best defense in the playoffs, right? Um, it, it's, it's, it's good that you're bringing up the, the, uh, the front seven of the Bucks because it is great, right? Um, but I don't think they're going to need that because their secondary isn't that great, and Devontae Adams can score on anybody. It doesn't matter who you put on him. He's, he's going to put up a huge game. So I think I don't, I don't think that really matters that much. I don't think they need the running game to win this because Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball out of his mind right now, and I think that's how they're going to beat him through the air. That's fair. That's fair. The, the only reason I, I, I mention the running game is because it's been such a compliment to Rodgers right over the course sure. of this season because teams have to respect Green Bay's running game, but sure. they also more so have to respect Aaron Rodgers. It's a pick-your-poison. They're the most well-rounded offense left of the four teams it's the only team that i think could just as easily beat you on the ground as they can through the air and when they have that going it's virtually impossible to stop this offense i mean the packers have scored they've scored 30 or more points in every game but one since mid-november right so this offense has just been like you said on fire the momentum has been crazy so uh, I, I think it'll be virtually impossible for Green Bay to, or for Tampa Bay to win this game, rather, uh, if if they're letting the Packers run on the ground, because you know Rodgers is going to connect through the air. So sure, um, you know Brady will have to literally have his his best game, which I won't count him out. So on that note, uh, who are you picking for this game? I'm taking Green Bay. Uh, I, I've I've loved what the Packers have done all year, include even that loss against Tampa Bay. Like it, it happens, right? But they rebounded and they put together a hell of a season. Aaron Rodgers, I've said this many times, Aaron Rodgers is my favorite non-Dolphin player in the league. Um, so I, I'm pulling for him. I I can't easily discount the Tom Brady factor ever um, because he is he is the greatest playoff quarterback ever, right? 
um, without question. So I think the game will be uh, pretty close, but I think I'm going to go with the Packers. I still think I think it's going to be very similar to the uh, the Kansas City Buffalo game in terms of shootout and score differential. I think it's going to only be like a three point difference. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go 35. I'm gonna go 35-32. It's gonna be weird. 35-32. So I'm going. I'm going 31-27 here. I'm. I'm aligned with you. Also, Green Bay. I'd love to pick the Bucks just for the parity, but this feels. I, I, it's it's a feeling, and I picked the the Packers to win it all when the when the playoffs started. It feels like it's Rogers' time for another ring. It just it it it's that. You know, they drafted Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers was pissed and angry. Now he's coming in, lighting the world on fire. He's hitting his stride just at the perfect time of the year. Him and Adams are unstoppable. It's just, it, it's all going his way. And you're totally right. We can't discount the Brady factor, but I, I, there's the Rodgers factor too. It's like, it's it's just as uh, hard to discount Rodgers as it is to Bra- uh, discount Brady, in my opinion. So, I'm I'm picking Rodgers here to make the Super Bowl, and I may have just spoiled my Super Bowl pick already, but maybe that'll change depending on what we see from this Kansas City-Buffalo game. But I'm going Rodgers as well. I think he's going to top 350 yards. I think he's going to leave a stamp on this game. Devontae Adams goes for nine scores, and uh, and that'll be all she wrote. Nine scores. Okay, that's the boldest <laughs> of predictions. Like I didn't realize they were playing a game on that. Maybe over-exaggerating just a little. No, I think you're spot on. You know what? Listen, stick to your guns. Nine tours. Let's do it. <laughs> Five through the air, four on the ground. He's a, a total offense. <laughs> All right. We got, we got like, uh, like 15-ish minutes left, so let's jump into some of these, uh, these NFL news headlines here for, for this week. Most notably, as of, uh, as of today, the most recent piece of news, we got the Eagles are hiring OC Nick Sirianni, it's the Colts OC, as their next head coach so he will be the one to helm this new philadelphia rebuild deciding when is it going to be Wentz? is it going to be jalen hurts kind of an out there pick right we saw the eagles interview guys like josh mcdaniels these much bigger names who we thought maybe they would they would roll with and believe at one point eric Bieniemy was also in the running for for a head coaching gig here so this was a little bit unexpected but kind of seems to make a little bit of sense right we know that there's the frank Reich connection in philly Reich was sirianni's head coach over the past couple of years. So I'm sure he gave him a glowing recommendation. Um, Frank Reich, you know, of course, had the best years of, of Carson Wentz's career. So this hire seems to make some sense in Philly. What I'm more interested, though, from, to, to know from you, though, is now that we have our, our head coach in Philly, now we can start talking about the big storyline of the offseason. Wentz and Hurts, you have this new head coach, right? We've heard what we've heard. I'm sure you've read the, uh, the headlines, the even uh, coach speak pieces that we've seen so far, GM speak pieces about how they feel about Wentz. Where do you see this Philly team? What direction do you see them going in this offseason at quarterback? I think it would be smart um, for them to move on from Wentz. Um, I think I said that before. I think the I think that Wentz just brings a lot of negative negative energy in terms of his play and and just how and this is the sentiment around the locker room. If I'm a brand new head coach going into this league, um, going into this opportunity, I want I, I want the best locker room vibe I can get, and I think that's going to uh, come from getting rid of Wentz in some way. Um, like we've talked about in the past, and it won't be easy, uh, but I do think it's the best move for them is to, is to move on from Wentz and 
and and see if Hertz can can do it all for you um, with a full season under his belt. And if not, then you draft a guy to be your guy as the new head coach uh, in the following season. But I think you got to go with Hertz. I'm I'm of the same mind. I don't think you can go into the next season. We're reading a lot today. I don't think you can go into next season with both of these two guys in the same quarterback room. It's not that I think Wentz's career is over. It's not that they think that uh, he's done. I think if you put him in the right spot, potentially in Indy with Frank Reich again, then I think Wentz could be a successful quarterback. But I don't think you can go into next season with both. And I don't think you're trading Jalen Hurts after what you saw from him this season. The fact that you just picked him. It would be easier on your cap, sure, but I think you risk losing the locker room a bit based on how they responded to Hurts if you if you send him away. So that brings me to the next biggest headline, or probably a bigger headline, but a little less recent, given that we're recording on Thursday, which is in Indy. Philip Rivers has announced his retirement. He is going to uh, is going to go say a whole heck of a lot of daggummits and heck of us in Alabama coaching high school football. I'm sure. Everyone saw all the tweets that came out about his uh, his love for not cursing and his uh, his trash talk that his famous trash talk on the field. There's a lot of feel good pieces around the around the internet about Philip Rivers after he retired. Definitely one of the most beloved players of the past decade or two in the NFL. But the prevailing storyline coming out of his retirement, I believe, or most fun to debate at least, is, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Philip Rivers, of course, never won a Super Bowl, never made it to a Super Bowl, but set every single Chargers passing record, right? Of course, he's going to be in the ring of honor in L.A. sometime soon. We know that Philip Rivers is on the top five of several passing categories, I believe, for both completions and passing yards at this point. And again, one of the most beloved players around the NFL, one of the faces of the NFL for you know the better part of two decades so Nick Bellotto, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Nick, did I lose you there? Sorry, no, you didn't. No, uh, no you didn't. I apologize. Um, so for me, the the not bowl is kind of complicated. I think there. I think I heard. I don't remember who was saying it, but there are only two Hall of Fame quarterbacks that have ever made the Hall of Fame that have never actually reached some form of a championship game. And the names that we're talking about are like, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was like Warren Moon and Dan Fouts, right? So I think that... And then Marino, the... uh, Well, he reached the Super Bowl. He never won a Super Bowl. Oh, seriously, never reached a game. Okay, Never reached, never reached. Marino was there. He just never, um, he's never won. Moon won like five great cups. Does that not count for anything? That's a championship game. Justin, if we were on Zoom, I would mute you. Um, So... Uh, I think it's it's going to be a situational thing, right? So I think it, it's kind of dependent on what other players are eligible for the Hall versus term. Uh, I don't think that he's a surefire guy. I think he's, you know, a lot of his numbers are fantastic and great, but I do think that the Hall of Fame uh, people, unless you're, like, leaving the league as the top in every single statistical passing category, I think the Hall of Fame... Um, voters really put a lot of emphasis on championships. Um, Dan Marino is maybe the exception there, but again, he left the league as the top, you know, the top quarterback of all time, right, in terms of statistical numbers. So there's a, a little bit for me. I think I think if Philip Rivers is is there and there's like and Peyton Manning is not on the ballot, for example, yeah, I could see him getting in. 
but I don't think he's a surefire guy. Not a surefire first ballot guy or not a surefire guy at all? Definitely. I don't think he's a first ballot guy. Um, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like he's situational. I feel like you're going to find a, a he's going to be a, in a very similar situation to what Zach Thomas is going through, right? Where Zach Thomas is uh, one of the best linebackers to play the game, and yet he's not in the Hall of Fame because he keeps getting beaten out by just other players who happen to also be good. So I think Philip Rivers might fall into that category. Uh, I hear you. And I, the thing about Philip Rivers is he happened to play at a time where his conference was dominated by a team that made the Super Bowl practically every other year in, in, in Brady and the Patriots. He played at a time where the passing error was exploding. And so you had yeah. guys like Rodgers and Manning and Freeze and Favre and Brady. Like, it just – there was always someone better, right? Philip Rivers was never – the best quarterback in in a given year. I don't even think he ever made an All-Pro. And so when you look at that kind of level of accomplishment, it's like, well, he's really in the Hall of Fame. In my opinion, and this might be skewed by the fact that I'm just a huge Philip Rivers fan, I think he gets in at some point. I do. And I think the fact that he is so beloved, not just by players or coaches, right, by the media too, matters. I think that makes people want to, you know, give him that kind of of recognition, you said Rodgers is one of your favorite non-Dolphins, obviously us as Dolphins fans, ever, uh, or rather while while you've been uh, watching over the past bunch of years. For me, one of those guys is Philip Rivers, and it was per- perfectly on uh, on the, the Rich Eisen show. I think it was yesterday they were talking about this, that Philip Rivers just always played the game like he's still playing in his backyard. Like, you know, you could sure. see it in his face. You could see it in his body. He just loves to play football. He's always smiling. He's always jiving with the other guys. It's 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 infectious to watch. It makes you love the game that much more. So uh, for that reason, I, I don't want to say that Philip Rivers will never get a gold jacket. I do think though that you know you talk about Hall of Fame, right? The most uh, the guys that make the most impact on the game while they're playing. I do think Rivers is up there, right? Someone that the entire league was always cognizant cognizant of and aware of during during his career. He played like 240 straight games too. That that's sure. like that's Iron Man level. I think it's and, just and, under Bart. And he played that championship game with a torn ACL. Like there's no, there's, there's, there's no, no questioning the guy. Moved it. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Um, there's no, there's no question that he, um, that he was a, a fun player to watch and a, and a great player uh, for the Chargers. But I don't know. I just think that a lot of his accomplishments are going to get overshadowed by the remainder of yeah. his generation. And I think that eventually, I think eventually he will get in, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be some time before he hears his name called, uh, you know, for Canton. Because, you know, you, there's just so many other great players who I think were more dominant in their time uh, in the NFL, right, in terms of dominance over the NFL um, that are going to be coming up for these, uh, these votes. And I think Rivers is just going to unfortunately kind of slide underneath them and just continuously be a finalist and never just make the cut. I think that's, I think that's definitely fair and will certainly be something fun to watch out for five years from now when he is finally eligible. It'd be really cool if he's a first ballot and goes in with threes since they were so tied uh, during their career because of that, that draft class. But yeah, it'll definitely but you see, be... like, but see, that's a great example. So like yeah. depending on the rest of the class, right? I think everybody in the hall of fame voting 
I don't know, league, whatever you call them, people's the writers yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I, I think they're all going to go with Breeze over over Rivers. Right? For sure. So you, make you could induct argument, both, but yes. You could, but if you've got one quarterback, is there anybody who's taking Rivers over Breeze? Of course not. So I think I think and I think that's what's going to happen is then. So if Brady retires next year, then the year after, are you going to take Brady over Rivers? Probably not. Right. Aaron Rodgers the year after that. You're going to take Rodgers over Rivers. You know, those are just or questions. If Eli doesn't go first ballot. I think Eli even gets in over Rivers. If Eli doesn't go first ballot, then he'll be strung along with Rivers. Right. So that so then eventually he would get in over Rivers. So I think I think Rivers yeah. will eventually get there. I just don't think it's going to be anytime soon. So I have a couple quick Obviously, because there's five years. Let's, like, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. obviously. No, I hear you. I hear you. We have a couple quick hitter questions uh, just to, to run through um, before, before we jump off here. First, first and foremost, there's one head coaching spot left. It's in Houston. Give me a name. Who are you picking for this spot? <laughs> Give me a name. Throw me a name. Eric Bieniemy. Let's just, let's just okay. go with they, – they, they go with Bieniemy. That's actually that's that is my Leslie Frazier seems to that's be the hard, other. That's a hard choice to make though, based on what we're hearing about the enemy and what you told me last no. time about his fascinating but, you know, past. But that's part. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I know I said quick hitter, but I do want to say this. I think that's part of the reason he takes it because if you're a head coach right now, who wants this job? No one wants this job. It's the least desirable head coaching. I mean, obviously it's the head coaching job, but it's the least desirable, easily head coaching job in all of the NFL. Never mind the open spots. You don't know if Watson's going to be there, and then you're essentially rebuilding from zero. But it's clear, and I believe the enemy is more than qualified, but it's clear that there's a reason he's not getting jobs, right? I think part of it might be the fact that he's not the play caller in Kansas City. Part of it might be the fact that he's not wowing interviews. Part of it might be his checkered past. So if he really wants a job and he thinks he could keep Watson there, because Watson clearly wants the enemy, it's at the top of Sean Watson's list – then maybe it's a situation where like okay, Houston's like, God, we got to keep Watson. Let's make him happy. And the enemy's like, well, I want a job. Watson wants me and I've been having trouble getting others. I'll take it. You know, I think you could end up with that scenario. I think, I think you could a hundred percent. I think you could. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think like we talked about last time you and I spoke, I don't think that's a, that's going to make a difference with Deshaun Watson. I think he's out of Houston, but maybe, maybe I go that route to try and appeal to him, but, you know, I, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be playing in Houston next year, regardless of the coach. So maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Okay. But I'd still, I, I think Bieniemy makes a lot of sense for them because you're, again, you're you're giving the reins to a guy who nobody else really wants for a job that nobody else really wants. So you know, so it sounds like a match made in heaven, even though there's nothing heavenly about it. <laughs> nobody, if okay. nobody wants a job, it's not heavenly. You know what I mean? That's that's a perfect way to put it. Sam Darnold in New York. Robert Sala in his indirectly press conference said this. He's got unbelievable arm talent. There's a reason why he was the number three pick. Fearless in the pocket. Natural throwing motion. He's mobile. Extremely intelligent. Tough as nails. His reputation in the locker room is unquestioned. These are all. He was effusive in his compliments. Effusive in his compliments. Great work. But then he also said, thank you. We're going to do this thing together to our organization, you know, get used to the mantra. We're going to do all this together. He talked about doing things in tandem with general manager Joe Douglas. They're going to make that decision together, and that he can't make a determination now on whether Sam Darnold will be their starting quarterback. Nick Bellotto, will Sam Darnold be the starting quarterback in Jets for the Jets in 2021? No. No. That was a quick and easy answer. No, I do not. No, I do not believe so. I, if I'm Robert Sala... I'm I'm ridding myself of the Darnold experience. I'm I'm taking Justin Fields to see um, 
to, to start my era with the New York Jets with the guy I want. I think we see that happen far too many times uh, in the NFL. And the few times where a new head coach comes in and tries to save a, a quarterback, it, it doesn't work out as wonderfully as you would have expect. So uh, Darnold, I think, is going to be gone. Perfect. Uh, I, I completely agree. I wouldn't be surprised. We're agreeing them. a lot today, Jason. I know. That's, it's but weird. It's, it's so nice. Uh, yeah, I, I think actually Deshaun Watson is, is going to be potentially – one of uh, no, let's one not of their don't, don't say that into existence. Okay. Don't, say right. it. don't say it. All right. Don't say it. Okay, Justin um, Fields. I, Justin Fields. I have uh, I have one or two more for you. Dwayne Haskins signing a reserve futures contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is there any chance that Dwayne Haskins is the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, he signed a contract, so there's a chance. Um, I don't think it's a uh, I don't think it's a huge chance because I don't think – what we saw to Dwayne Haskins um, with the kind of uh, – I don't know. He, it just seemed like he never had the locker room. He never had the trust of his teammates. Uh, so I don't think that's a type of personality that gels well with Mike Tomlin and, uh, and Pittsburgh. Uh, so, listen, it might be interesting to keep an eye on him and maybe, maybe they can you know, get him to consistently work on grinding and getting better. Which, if, if there's one organization that can, I mean, oh, Pittsburgh's yeah. one of them, right? Um, so maybe Pittsburgh can turn them around. I, if, if, if you're asking me to give it like a percentage chance that he's the heir apparent, I think it's like Low. 30%, maybe lower. Um, thir- the only reason I'm giving him 30% is because he's still very young, and there yeah. still is some talent there. And maybe Mike Tomlin can, uh, can, can pull that out of him. I'll tell you one thing. No matter what happens, Mike Tomlin definitely saw it coming. The the reason it wouldn't shock me is because I don't see Pittsburgh being in a position to draft a quarterback in the top five anytime soon, barring a massive trade-off, right? So unless they fall in love with someone who falls in the first round, you have this former first-round pick, same sort of same style, actually, as, as Big Ben Reigns, this big-body guy, tough in the pocket, strong arm, uh, you know, that, that gritty-style quarterback. I, and... You could kind of insert him into the offense and try to run a similar style of offense. I'm not saying he's going to run it anywhere near the level that Big Ben can, obviously Ben being a Hall of Fame quarterback, but you have the potential, right? So it wouldn't, it wouldn't totally shock me if they keep him as the primary backup next year and, and give him a real shot. Last thing sure. I yeah, want to run by. I think there's you. a chance for that. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Last thing I want to run by you here, Nick. Dan Campbell, interim head coach of the Miami Dolphins when Philbin was fired like five years ago, right? Yeah. Someone that clearly fired up the locker room. I sent you actually the game clip, the game film of that win over the Houston Texans when they put up 41 points in the first half, right? He fires the hell up of his guys. And someone that clearly the entire locker room connects to, the entire locker room loves. He goes to New Orleans after a stint in Miami as the interim head coach becomes entrenched in that organization as the assistant head coach, the tight ends coach, and has been in the rumor mill for head coaching jobs ever since his interim stint in Miami. He finally gets his shot this, uh, this year with the Detroit Lions. I don't know if you saw his introductory press conference. Oh, or the let's bite some it. knees, Justin. Let's bite some knees. Bite some knees. This was yes. one of the most badass quotes I have ever seen 
out of an introductory press conference, just so everyone who's listening could hear as well. I'm just going to read the highlight quote of the introductory press conference. If anyone wants more, SB Nation has his top 10 quotes from the press conference, but I'm going to read number one. He says about overcoming (laughs) adversity. And so this team is going to be built on, we're going to kick you in the teeth. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. And we're going to stand up. It's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up, and it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. And before long, we're going to be the last one standing. So, Oh, man. First of all, okay, two, two, two comments. One, he sounds crazy. Two, he also sounds awesome. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what happens with Detroit. Because if any of that comes to fruition, not like the realities of them biting kneecaps, right? Obviously, that's not going to happen. I mean, I hope. <laughs> um, but if any of that, like, toughness and grit comes out of this, uh, for that Detroit franchise, holy crap, it's going to be wonderful. They're, it's going to be wonderful. And Detroit deserves a man like this. So this is the antithesis of Matt Patricia. This is, like, as far away oh from God. Matt Patricia as you could possibly get. It's not even close. It's not even close. Yeah. This organization deserves someone like that. These players deserve someone like that. Obviously, there will be storylines throughout the offseason. Do they keep Matthew Stafford? Where do they go at quarterback, right? What is this rebuild going to look like in Detroit? But for now, I think all Lions fans can take solace in the fact that they have an absolute badass as their head coach for a a, a, probably a long time to come, right? This sounds like a guy who – who has an intention of sticking around. So certainly going to be a fun guy to watch on the sideline uh, while, uh, while, uh, while he's there as the head coach of the Lions. Josh in the, uh, in, in the locker room live chat coming on here at the end saying Bucks by seven bills by three that uh, I, 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 we, we, we picked the Packers and the chiefs, but hey, Josh, you're that's entitled, awkward. You're entitled <laughs> to being wrong. That's, that's okay. You're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> um, but that, like, I think, that's my I think thing. That, that's what I always say. You're allowed to be wrong. I know. I'm Justin, sorry. You're I know. I'm sorry. I still <laughs> learning from you. But it it fit well. Um, all right. I think we'll we'll end on that on that awesome Dan Campbell rant. Um, but for everyone who jumped on live on locker room, thank you so much for jumping on. Sean, we saw you here the whole time. We very much appreciate it. Uh, um, Josh, thanks for for jumping on here at the end, and everyone else who who came through. This episode will be up on all your favorite podcasting platforms within 24 hours and we'll be back on locker room uh, at the end of this week to do our Miami Dolphins live show we'll be talking about the offseason some drafts some free agency we still haven't had got an OC yet an offensive coordinator at least as of recording this episode so we'll be talking about that the senior bowl is coming up real soon we got some prospects announced for the Miami Dolphins team at the senior bowl so we'll certainly be breaking that down as well but uh, until that episode thank you uh, very much to everyone for listening and we will see you next time